Hey guys, it's your boys from the Who's Man's Podcast. It's me, your boy, you don't need to know my name. And we got Ron here, we got Conrad here. And we just wanted to take a moment before we, uh, before you can listen to the podcast to send our thoughts, our prayers to all of our brothers and sisters down in Houston and surrounding areas who have been affected by Hurricane Harvey um, and the resulting rain um, from the weekend. Uh, we just want to say that, hey, we're thinking about you guys, we are praying for you all, and uh, we love you, and we hope that for however long this podcast episode is, who knows, because you know they be talking, uh, <laughs> we hope that you can take your mind, you can take your mind off of everything that's going on, and kind of sit back and uh, laugh a little bit, make fun of us a little bit, don't make fun of me though, you know better. Uh, we love you and you guys got anything you want to say hey like my man shock said we got a few people that we all know and love personally that have been affected by this so you know we all out here looking out for you guys we sending our thoughts our prayers you know if you need anything from us hit us up we are here for you all you know you got our numbers so don't hesitate yes sir and shout out to the family down uh, in Houston as well that are down there um got some Besides our other friends close to us, um, I got some personal friends from my hometown that moved over there, so uh, I'm always checking on them. Uh, if you can donate, donate. Uh, make sure you donate to the right places, and you know there's a lot of media out here um, providing the wrong information. Of course, trying to take advantage of this situation that's happening in Houston. But make sure you check everywhere you're sending donations to. Uh, what you're tweeting, retweeting, um, sharing on uh, the book because it's a serious uh, matter. So we want to lead people to the right place at the right time. So uh, just keep a lookout on that. All right, let's start the show. Just three black kings giving our thoughts to society from politics, sports, music, and whatever subject fits the need. We ain't trying to make a grand, we ain't trying to make a band, we just want to know who's man. I'm so Welcome to the Who's Man's Podcast. What up, though, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Who's Man's Podcast. I'm your host, Rob and Don, a.k.a. Miss Taylor May. In the building with me, I got my man's Conrad. What's good with it, dude? Welcome, welcome back, beautiful people. We're back live and ready to talk. And, you know, it's a special day. I'm going to let someone uh, introduce himself, but uh, let's take it off. Hey, it's the Who's Man's Podcast, it's the Who's Man's Podcast, here we are today, this is our theme song, this is our theme song, and you don't listen because you ain't got nothing else to do, we got Ron, hey, we got Conrad, hey, you don't need to know that other guy's name, <laughs> hey guys, we're still working on it, but I think it's... It's number one in Sweden right now, okay? So, welcome to the show. Well, not, hey, sorry, man, I really didn't know where you were going with that because that awkward silence. <laughs> Did we lose you? Did you get scared? <laughs> Did you forget the line? Hey, I wrote that. That's hot. <laughs> well, you know, we'll take that back into post-production and we'll decide if we want to implement that or not. Uh, let's go ahead and get into it. So, what you guys been up to this weekend? How's it been going? Kind of what you been up to? 
It was a good weekend, of course, the big fight uh, night, so Saturday, yeah, Saturday I was with uh, some friends uh, watching the fight, took out, just hung out for a little bit, and I was hurt on Sunday because I had to work for someone, so on that, it was a good weekend, I came to play. How about y'all? Man, same. I had one a rare weekend at home. Did I say that rare? Yeah, weekend at home. And, uh, or where I live at, St. Louis. And it was alright. It was cool. But yeah, that fight, we're gonna talk about it. Um, that was my Saturday night. It was, it was different though. How about you, uh, Ronnie? Well, me, I was out in the streets in New York City, so I finally got a chance to get a first hand view of it. I remember I was talking about it a couple episodes ago, so. We're going to go ahead and get a little bit more into that later, but overall, I just got to say, the city was dope. I am not mad at anyone out there. I had a good time. It was, it was fun. It was interesting people. I can't wait to talk about it. I can't wait to go back one day. But now we're going to go ahead and keep it moving. All right, so who we got out here first, Conrad? Who's in these streets? Uh, well, it's kind of really off our like intro to our episode today on top of the whole Trusting happening, uh, used to the blood. So, these mans, I've kind of always had a, a, a bad taste in my mouth with this dude named Joel Olsen. Uh, for those of you who don't know him, he's this, I don't know, is he a millionaire? He's a very wealthy pastor. He owns the Lakewood Church. It's considered the mega church in the U.S. It's, um, has like 38,000 members only. You have to be a member to join that church. But the big controversy that's happening right now is during the whole storm, he had refused to open his church to shelter um, all these victims and um, evacuees that are trying to find safe ground from the floods and the rain. And um, so it's a huge, huge uh, debate about that because, for one, of course, it's a, as if those who listen to the Christians, that the churches where you go for safety and you need shelter. Um, so for him to have this big old church that's empty and from all the pictures people were sharing and all this stuff, there was no flooding around it. There was no like it had a couple of cars parked. So it was just I don't see the for me personally, I didn't see the reason why he didn't open the doors. Maybe he was scared that his church is gonna mess up, like be torn up and all that, but. You have money. You make a lot of money for this church and all this other stuff. Like, you can fix it after everything's happened. The main concern you should be worried about is the, the people, the members, maybe even some of your members that go to this church <laughs> are stuck out there, like, you know? So eventually, he opens his doors, and which is great that he finally changed his mind, but I just felt like it was, I don't know if it was out of the kindness of his heart, or he felt guilt trip to do it, or he finally saw that as like a moment of like, what am I doing? I'm going to lose people from this church. I'm going to look bad. I don't know what it is, but I'm glad he opened it, but still, come on, man. You're a pastor. You're a leader of the community, and you should be opening your doors for people who are in need. That's what a church is for. So, uh, that was my take on it. Who's mad about it? What y'all think about that? I, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a tricky, I don't know if it's a tricky situation, but it's, it's an odd place for me because my I grew up uh, with my mom being a big fan of Joel Osteen. She still watches him every Sunday while she's getting ready for church. And uh, I've watched him a few times. He's 
honestly helped me through some stuff uh, as I've become a, a, a man, if you will. <laughs> Help me through some tough times. <laughs> he always gives such a positive message. He's actually been, uh, well, he hasn't been to my church, but my, my pastor has done some work with him when he comes to visit Detroit. Um, so I, like, I know people have issues with him. Main concern is, hey, he has a lot of money. He provides the private jets. He's not the only one. We all know that. Um, I don't know. Like, okay, so the hurricane happened this this weekend. It is a, an awful situation. There are still so many people displaced and 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 stuck in their homes and can't get out and things of that sort. Can't get back home if you evacuated the city. Um, why is it? Why, I guess my question, I don't know how to say it without, without, uh, sounding stupid, but my question is why, why does he have to open his doors? Like, why is it his job or his, like, his thing that he has to do to let people into his location? It's private property. Like, would we open our, the doors to our house? Just playing devil's advocate, would we open the doors to our home for people who may be displaced? Like, would, Either you do that. I don't know if I would. I would say yes. If I if I if I saw name my neighbors are struggling, people that I don't who are they'll have nothing anymore. Like they have zero. They have no no food, no water, no property, and the only safe zone that is possible for them is a place that holds more people. Like it's not like he had to take every single person. But he should have been open. Like okay, this is the amount of people I can have. That what is it? The Houston Convention Center is like to max capacity, and I get it. Like, yeah, okay, yeah, it's his property, it's his church, it's you know he put all this into it. But why not? Is my question. Why can't you? Why Wait, so can't you, Brian? You you, you, you compared this to being next to like right to our homes. Does he live at this property? Because I was under the impression that it was like one of his churches where he held service. Yeah, he doesn't live at the property, but he owns it. So that's why I can I compared it to like. um a home because you would own your home. Like, this is tough for me. I'm going to just put that out there because I do have a lot of respect for him. And I understand that how this looks for him, especially for a man of God who is supposed to be there for his people, his flock, if you will, in their time of need. Um, it looks really bad. And even the fact that he made the decision a few days later to open the church it seems like he's received even more flack for that. It's like, well, what took so long and things of that sort. Um, so it's tough for me to kind of uh, kind of think through this. But I guess, what do you guys think? What What do you think? Is there a punishment that he should have? Is there uh, money he should lose or members he should lose? Like, how do you guys feel? I don't think any. I don't really think Go ahead, bro. I don't really think any type of punishment is necessary. I mean, I think it's it is. I mean, I know that, like you've mentioned, he's a guy that people look up to and that they expect to come to in this time of need. But he's a person at the end of the day, and he made what many people feel to be a mistake. And I mean, he's allowed to do that, is he not? Yeah, yeah. People may have been impacted negatively by it, but <clears throat> at the end of the day, he's finally come around. He's made the right decision. And let's, let's move forward properly. It's like punish him for what he didn't do originally isn't going to have any real positive impact going forward. So I don't see the reason in doing that. Like those are those people who couldn't find a home that night, they're not going to magically have a home now just because you punish them. So it's not going to benefit anyone to do that. Yeah, I agree with that. 
And to me, it's not like, I've said this before, it's like, just because you're wealthy doesn't make you a bad pastor or a bad, I don't know, person to evangelize the word, but it's just that in his case, it's just, it seemed like, it's not like a broken record, but it's, yeah, everyone does look up to that person. Because, like you said, he's, he's a respectable man, he has, all he has, he has something to provide that people who have nothing. That's what I'm looking at. Yes, he doesn't have to, but if you're, if we were to play that whole, like, why, it's private property, then why are all these, like, stadiums? They don't have to do that when there's a catastrophe. They don't have to open their door. That's private property. It's not, it's not theirs. It's theirs to say whether or not they want to bring people in, but they still did it. Remember Katrina, um, the New Orleans, this was Superdome? Mm-hmm. Or, yep. They didn't have to open that for people to get in there, but, I'm not saying it's anything comparable to that loss of what happened in New Orleans, but just to stick to the whole, why should you do it? Why should you not? Those those same people didn't have to do the owner of that company, the owner of that dome didn't have to open their those doors. But at the end of the day, it's, I'm glad that they he did, and people are safe there, and feel safe there. So that's all that matters. You know, speaking of this disaster and um, you know, people doing the right thing. I saw probably one of the most I didn't I didn't get to see the entire interview because I had to go to work, but I saw probably one of the most disgusting things on TV this morning where CNN were was interviewing a congresswoman from Houston. I and I don't don't know her name. I know her last name is Jackson, so I apologize for not having the full information, but this just popped up in my head. And the report, this woman, the congresswoman, has, is one of those victims who has also lost her house due to flooding. Um, she can't get back to it. So she was at, I think, the convention center uh, trying to help some of the other people who were there and things of that sort. And CNN was interviewing her and asking her questions. And then the interview turned to, okay, hey how much aid should go to Houston? And the congresswoman said, I think she used uh, $150 billion was the amount that she recommended. Um, then the reporter changed it to, well, you know, when Hurricane Sandy happened on the East Coast a few years ago, you didn't, you didn't vote for additional aid for Sandy, and it turned into this back and forth, of course, political spinning. Oh, I did vote for this, and I didn't. I did vote for that, and back and forth. And my thing was, is this the right time to have this conversation when people are being displaced, people are dying? This woman has lost her house. I just feel like our our. I feel like society is so ugly now where you can't just have a moment of empathy for people. You always have to kind of create a story or make it worse than what it is. I'm not about to defend this man, but I also saw today that people were criticizing uh, 45's wife about, hey, she's wearing stilettos to go visit Texas. And I'm like, why are we even talking about her shoes? What does that mean? Like, what does that matter? That they're going to, to he's doing for once, <laughs> it don't happen often, y'all. For once, he's doing something that he should do, which is be presidential, be a leader. Um, 
and they're going to survey the damage to uh, Texas. And the main headline is still trending right now is the type of shoes that she was wearing. It's like, how disgusting is our world now that 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 you just can't have a moment where we're all empathetic for each other and can see the good in someone's actions and not have to bring up three or four things that they did ugly. I just had to get that off my chest. But I don't know if you guys have seen anything similar. Yeah, I've seen similar with the whole donations with like all these um, like the Kardashians donated a lot like what was it? Five hundred? About five hundred thousand. Five hundred thousand Chris Brown donated money. Like all these celebrities donated money. People are like, you're worth this much and why are you only donating? Like, come on. Like, why does that matter? <laughs> like, they're still donating money that was never there. It was, no one was, 500k wasn't there till the Kardashian. 100,000 wasn't there. Like, it's just, that's not the point. The donation doesn't mean, if you donate and you make this much money, you have to donate this much. No. Like, that's only thing that, like, I've seen that's been, like, really a, to me, a hurtful circle. Like you said, like, this is a time of need. People are donating what they can. It doesn't matter if they're millionaires, billionaires, they're still putting money towards something that's for a better, you know, better cause to help these people out. So be it if it's a, per- a less percentage of what they make in world, like, over a year. Who cares? I just wonder, all I don't know is, I don't know about y'all, but when I was growing up, one thing I was taught by my parents is just, Keep your hands out of your pockets. Man. Don't worry about what's going on in their bank account. And it seems like the whole world never caught that lesson. <laughs> because everyone's always trying to figure out what's going on. You asking your mama, like, my, it, was that just for us? Or, <laughs> like, where do you get this right. lesson from? <laughs> they don't do that. <laughs> you, can, you can pop laxes about someone else's money back, back back in the day. But now it just seems like that's all everyone wants to do. Yeah. How much you make? What you doing? Right. Just... Celebrate the fact that I'm giving something. Like, what are you doing? Is always the response. But <sighs> do better. Anyways, all right, all right. But look, I got a lighter. I got a lighter topic. Okay. So, again, but just so you guys know, prayers to everyone being affected. We are here for you. That's why we're doing this. Ep- that's why we're recording and trying to make you laugh. And that's why I'm about to try to transition to something a little lighter. Uh, so we talked about this weekend, and everybody, everybody and their mama, I think except Ron, was watching, and everybody else at Afropunk <laughs> was watching this uh, fight, if you will, between Floyd and Connor, or Mayweather, McGregor, whatever. Um, so look, here's my thing. Connor definitely surprised a lot of people i think everyone would agree with that that he because look based on those little clips of him practicing and different stuff like that i was like your boy gonna have a long night uh, no i didn't mean that a short night <laughs> or a short, a short night, night. A short yes. night. <laughs> connor came out uh and did his thing and floyd did exactly what everyone predicted him to do okay the fight was boring, though. I don't care what nobody say. It was so boring. It was like everything was predictable. No, I'm not saying that. I know a lot of people are saying it's rigged. I'm not one of those people. But I am saying it was boring. You knew it was going to happen. You knew when it was going to happen. Like, it just was no... It wasn't exciting to me. But can I tell you how ghetto I was? How I watched the fight? 
I don't know if I should say this out loud. <laughs> I do? was watching on someone's Instagram, and then I put the fight on my television, <laughs> and then it was like at an angle, so I had to tilt my head the whole time. And you know, like, <laughs> you know, like everybody watching the Instagram, so it kept freezing. So I saw, I probably shouldn't even talk. I probably only saw like three punches because it kept freezing. But, um, all right, I'll shut up. It is 2017. You shouldn't live a life like that. <laughs> what did you guys think of the fight? So, so I'm talking about, bro, how are you going to say the fight wasn't exciting and you can barely watch well, look, it? The parts, <laughs> how does that work? I didn't watch. We're boring. All right. <laughs> I disagree, Brian. I thought that was probably the most exciting Mayweather fight I've watched in a while. And it was, I think, usually all Mayweather fights are boring because he does the same thing and in the last minute he throws punches and wins. Like, how was this different? This time, I feel like he was. This time he was shook. I've never seen Mayweather be on the offensive side throwing like since the what was his fight against um what's his name the Spanish dude Oscar the is Oscar De La Hoya. Anywho, anyways, y'all can come at me and say at me. Anywho, uh, he's always like on the offense, like I'm just chilling in the background, playing defense, this and this. But this time, like Connor shook him up a little bit in the first couple of rounds, and then after that, he was going at him. Mayweather was coming at him, which is rare to me to see in the last couple of fights. Um, and of course, at the end of the day, you still gotta give respect to. Connor, even if you threw a lot of legal punches, he still he still got he still held his own for a while. Like I'm mad that they didn't let uh Mayweather knock him out because that was some BS. But other than that, I thought it was a good fight. It was it was entertaining. It was worth my money. I will say that. Like, I'm glad I paid for it. Usually I'm usually I'm salty after a Mayweather fight, but I will say around what you think. <laughs> I would say the Twitter streets were lit because. <laughs> By the time I mean, the fight came on so late, we were done with Afropunk and everything. So I was basically back at the hotel room just watching the fight through Twitter, and it was lit. So I enjoyed it. <laughs> Can I have a moment with Floyd? I just want to talk talk to him, Mr. Right. Mayweather. Um, you know, you're you're good. You're a great boxer. Hey, you're from my home state. You know, I lived in your hometown for a few years, so I feel connected to you in a way. And I feel like I can call you Floyd. So Floyd, don't go in no more boxing rings, all right? This is it. You're done, all right? <laughs> You're 40 years old. You have a pristine record. 50 and 0 is perfect. You can make t-shirts with that, and you can uh, tour with that. You know, go to high <laughs> schools if you t-shirts want. T-shirts are that. Do that. <laughs> but don't go back in nobody's boxing ring, all right? You've made a lot of money. I think you're good. I, I look. Ron just said, "Stay out of your pocket." So I'm not gonna go down that route of like you got enough money because I don't know your situation. <laughs> um, go somewhere <laughs> and sit up. All right. I don't really need to hear from you no more. I definitely don't need to see you uh, on on uh, TV <laughs> or I don't want you in movies. I don't want none of that. I just want you to kind of go away. Right, fade the black. All right. <laughs> That's my only thing. Just go away. All right. And try to be great while you're away. Uh, all right. Don't let me hear about you and no more. You know, I'm not gonna go down that route either because you know, you know, we yeah. don't mess with you the whole way. Um, keep your hands to yourself. That's the perfect sum. Like the perfect, perfect way to sum up this little conversation. Just keep your hands to yourself, okay? 
both professionally and personally. <laughs> Keep your hands to yourself. That's my new title on this one. Alright, I'll talk to you later, Floyd. Well, <laughs> on that note. Alright, well, I guess we go ahead and wrap that up. So, before we move into the next section, I do have one small little update about the story I told you guys last week. So, about the coworkers who are. Uh, like to get it on, you know what I was involved. So, <laughs> now, this story is still developing, but so far, since for you guys who've been curious for the past week, they are still keeping it moving business as usual. <laughs> they don't care nothing about that. Man. That's wild. Whose man's is that? He done, my man's done shook the boyfriend's hand, and he just said, you know what? Still, still doing, doing it. it. I wonder if the whole office know. Now look. At this point. Right? They got to. <laughs> They got to. Or it is they've been pretty public, so I don't think it's a secret to anyone in my office. They both try for it. I don't like them. All right, now look. In the beginning, I might have gave old dude who was uh, with the girl in the office benefit of the doubt if I was the boyfriend, but now he done met you, and he still continues to do it. Nah, he got to go too. You got to put hands on him. Trifling Tasha and trifling Jason. Is <laughs> <laughs> this over now? Now that's a whole new level of disrespect. Rude. Oh, but that's enough of the messiness. We're going to keep that one updated. I'm going to keep updating on that one as it progresses. I got a feeling it can't get nothing but worse from here. So we got to keep updated. Alright, but moving on to the more positive section, we're going to go ahead and move on to our drink to that. And I'm going to start us off. So I'll talk a little bit about this weekend again. So. Like I mentioned, I was out in New York City. I was out there mainly for the Afropunk Festival. So for those of you guys who don't know what it is, definitely should look it up. It's some of the most dope stuff I've ever seen. Just styles from any type of... I mean, I can't even explain to you guys the styles we saw out there. It was so much different. Like, the whole thing with the festival was just, like, it's black artists that aren't really on, like, the mainstream on the charts. So not really, like, number one rappers or anything like that. It's more like the R&B, rock... You know, even a little bit of some reggae. Basically, any type of artist out there who isn't really on the charts but who's out there making good music, they're going to be at Afropunk. And they got it in Brooklyn, London, at ATL. Like, it goes around through the, through the world throughout the year. So definitely check that out if you can. And let me tell you, that one other thing about it is the fashion. It was people out there just looking like straight models. on <laughs> Models for the, <laughs> everything. Any magazine you could ever picture. Like, just imagine them having a cover shoot out there. It was just dope. I loved it. Definitely got to put one in, one drink in there for that. Who was your favorite performer? Man, that's dope. Or performer? Uh, my favorite performance was definitely Solange. Like, she was the headliner on Saturday night, and she came, and she shut it down. She just immediately had the right the energy. She came and did She came and danced, sang, had, had the band come out. Like, she just literally put on a production for us. It was like a whole concert. I would have came up. I would have paid the same price to go see her at that point. I feel like Solange mad cool. Solange, you need a friend. I can be your friend. Right? <laughs> be <your> friend. <laughs> she seemed cool. We're going to give her a special, <laughs> special shout out to her. Right. We're going to make her an official friend of the podcast, whether she likes it or not, whether she ever knows. <laughs> You're officially our friend. From <laughs> now on, we're going to just at her every time. <laughs> now that we talk about her, just at her. <laughs> So she finally blocks us. Barack Obama. Y'all got anything y'all want to drink to? Yeah. Um, 
I'm gonna drink to uh, Logic from his performance this uh, weekend at the VMAs. Uh, he did the his song with the Suicide Repression uh, Hotline, and it was a powerful performance. And I'm a huge Logic fan, and this album to me was pretty dope, and all his albums have been pretty dope. Um, yes, I'm gonna say that again because I got some haters on here, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like how you specify his album to me. It's pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anyways, <laughs> any Logic fans out there, come get these boys. But <laughs> so the the most powerful thing about that is after his performance, um, the hotline saw about fifty percent increase in callers that after, that after his uh, performance, and that's pretty dope to me. Like he uses platform. This famous person, again, uses their platform to help people that are in need. And he does a simple thing by just putting a number as his title of his song. And, and his whole, like, the whole main lyrics of his song was like, um, I want you to be alive. And those people, and he doesn't want people to die today. So that was like his whole chorus was about that. And so they say, like, on the tw- April 28th, when he, like, released that song, there was a 27% increase in calls to that hotline. Um, that's like compared to the average volume on the same day of the week that, of the previous three weeks. So it, his message is working. People are calling. That's what the whole message was. So I had a drink to him for that, and that was pretty dope. So if y'all watch that. Yeah. Definitely want to add on to that because I'm a, I feel like Logic is one of the people who gets unnecessarily hated on. So I definitely feel like he has a loyal fan base for a reason because people who get it, they get it for reasons like that. He does those stuff like that. So I definitely Man, I feel like uh, I might lose some some people with this one, but <laughs> I feel like uh, Logic is what Macklemore was trying to do, but just didn't know how because he wasn't sincere with it or he didn't, it didn't feel sincere. Like, Logic was so passionate on Sunday throughout the award show, before the award show, on social media. You could tell that this dude had a passion for helping people and just wanted everyone to feel included and wanted everyone to feel like, hey, you have a reason to be here. And that came that came across when with his performance. It came across while he was speaking to the camera. Whatever it may be, um, I, I I I may listen to an album, you know, whatever you guys think is the best album, I'll listen to that one. I ain't gonna just go down the whole pathway of logicism, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> give me Hater. one to listen to, and I'll go listen to it. Now, if it's trash, I'm gonna call it trash. But the dude is good. <laughs> What's your favorite one, <laughs> Favorite uh, of his albums? Yeah. Um, and it's probably going to be his uh, Under Pressure, because that was like his first one when he first came out. And then, um, I don't know. That's, that's my favorite one. I like his recent album, because I think it's more of a message in this one. But as far as just his talent and everything, it was probably Under Pressure. Yeah, that's the like same for me. But I also like the one that was right after it. Um, Bobby King. Incredible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Incredible True Story. That's what it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, that was good, too. 
So Brian, you taking out. notes? You taking notes, Brian? Oh, I zoned out. I'm sorry. We talking about what? It's like, <laughs> I'm joking. Oh, man. I'm joking. Shit. Under Ooh. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I got it. Definitely yeah. check it out. Hopefully yeah, it's on listen, Apple listen. Music. Anyway. That's what I paid for. <laughs> Shout out Logic. <laughs> if you if you if you ever hear this uh podcast, we're gonna ask you for it. You know that. Um, don't listen to these for oh don't listen to Brian if you hear it, It's Ryan and I listen to these. Yeah, if anyone else out there, if you check it out, let us know what you think. If you loved it, if you hated it, let us know. I'm curious to see what y'all thoughts are. <clears throat> I would like to have an <laughs> announcement as well. I have a drink to that this week or this week. Specifically, this day that we're recording, walk with me on this journey, okay? You ain't got nothing better to do, so chill out. All right, come on. August 29th, 1958, at approximately 7.33 p.m., the clouds parted. God said, you're welcome. All right, you can have this. Here's my gift to you. I'm only going to keep him here for a while, but enjoy him while he's here. All right? His mama, Alabama. His daddy, no, it's not the song, right? His daddy from Arkansas, all right? And they both had dreams of being entertainers, all right? They both were singers. He was the seventh of ten children. And yes, it is ten for you people out there who are going to try to come for me. One of the kids uh, passed away. One was a twin, I think. Oh, damn, I gave it up. It was a twin. <laughs> uh... This kid, this um, young person, if you will, this young angel, was a shy kid, you know? He didn't have friends. I mean, he talked to the the house mouse, if you will. Um, and all he wanted to do was perform with his older brothers. He wanted to sing. He wanted to dance. But they said, no, little boy, you're too little. You can't sing. You you don't have talent. <laughs> <laughs> but this kid would go on to be the greatest performer to ever live. All right. And if you're asking me who I'm talking about, you are the reason that this world is a bad place. All right. Because you should already know. And I'm talking to you. And if you want to come at me, come at me. I'm here. Um, I would just <laughs> like to say happy birthday to this guy. Thank you for being, uh, thank you for everything you've given me in my life. It's not just the music. It's not just the dance moves. It's not just the perfect videos. It's not just the great albums. It's not, it's not what you've, how you've inspired different artists who come after you. It's simply the way that you lived your life. You wanted to make sure that you put out the most perfect product that you treated your fans to the most perfect show and that you gave everything that you could right up to the end and for that and i feel well i feel like if every person were to live in that way i'm gonna give the best that i got every single day i wake up we would all be better all right so happy birthday i love you i will ride for you to the end nobody can come close. Nobody will come close. Beyonce, Usher, I'm not saying his name, Drake, whoever y'all want to name, come at me, bro. And you know why I'm confident in that? Because they would all say the same thing. Happy birthday. 
I drink to you today. I'm going to drink to you tomorrow probably because it's the day after your birthday and because I love you. And uh, yeah, happy birthday. I'm done. <laughs> well, <laughs> I feel like I should just clap. <laughs> I feel like we should be playing some music up there hey. after that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I know. If I wasn't so sure, we'd have to pay for it. I'd, I'd exactly. like to play some of his music under that. But I just feel like sooner or later they come for us. <laughs> we get that bill. And sooner or later, we get that bill in the bill. Like, oh, I don't even know who this is. I, was, I didn't play that. <laughs> I burn every account we got. I don't know nothing about no podcast. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, like, I don't think we got anything on top of that. So just keep moving right on to the next section. Oh, uh, so we got a whole topic we want to talk about tonight, and it, it basically, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys a little background on what kind of led us to talk about this. So, as I mentioned earlier in the podcast, I took a trip out to New York City to go for that, to the Africa, Afropunk Festival. So, the city that I was in was in Brooklyn, so while we were out there, we got a chance to see a, a good part of the city, you know, the highlights and the lowlights of it, you know, we got a chance to see all outside of it. And it really got me starting to think about it, like, most of the places that we spent our time, like when it came to eating food or doing a little bit of shopping, we spent ourselves, we found ourselves in those nicer parts of the town that were like newer, probably just been built. Actually, we're still in the construction partly, so I know they were brand new. And not so much in the parts of the town that you could tell had you know, been around for a while. And it really made me think to myself, can black people really gentrify or be part of the problem of gentrification? Like we wrote nothing that we did during that our time there to help benefit the the original Brooklyn, if that's what you want to call it, or you know what the people who lived there for gener- for years and years would consider to be the real city. Which I think about that. Uh, Go ahead, Brian. Uh, <laughs> I look. I, I when I hear when I hear you say that, I think of uh, Detroit, uh, my home city, um, and I think of you know, some of the hard times we've had over the past few or many years and how the city is, um, some have invested a lot of money in the city, but there's a lot of complaints that, hey, you're taking away our culture, you're you're not making it affordable for everyday residents, you're kicking us out of our own, our own place. And I get that, but I also think like, well, we probably wouldn't have survived had it not been for these types of investments or people coming in and willing to say, Hey, I'll come in, I'll build here. I'll put my headquarters there. People like Dan Gilbert, people like Illich, the Illich family who, who have, I know they've been there for many years, but still they've continued and committed to Detroit. And I know that they, you, both of those people I just named or both of those families I just named um, have their own issues and maybe they weren't always fair or didn't always do things the right way. And some people would say they definitely got over on Detroit or uh, and things of that sort. But hey, Detroit is, while not thriving, we uh, have a lot to be proud of. There's a lot going on in Detroit. You go downtown, no, it does not look at all like it did when I was a kid. But damn, I mean, it's like a new place. It's live. There's so many people down there. It feels safe and everybody looks happy. Um, and I feel like that's a good thing. So are we, you said, are we the problem with gentrification? Is that the question? It's like, no, can, can we, we be the part of the problem? Because ideally, we, we, generally when you think about it, you don't think about 
black people or minorities in general being part of the problem. It's usually, everyone says the white people are coming into town and driving out the minorities. But, you know, it isn't always that. We can be the problem by sometimes standing in the way and not offering a better solution. And I know there are there are many examples. You brought up um, Brooklyn. I know there's other parts of New York, Harlem. I always hear about Harlem. That um, look, you are you are totally changing our culture. You're changing what is in many ways the birthplace of hip hop, birthplace of many of our greats, and it doesn't look like the place where they grew up. Um, so I know that it can be an issue, but I also think that hey. Sometimes gentrification is not all bad. And we can, I think Detroit is a great example of that. Like, it has turned that city around. And it's still a lot of work to do. But at least we can say positive things about Detroit. Whereas five or ten years ago, I don't know if we had that to say about it. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's good. But I think it's never done the right way. For the people of wherever the city or place or state or whatever it is, right? It's always like they have the right things and right ideas. But I feel a lot of times like, so I'm like, I'm not, I'm not a native of Detroit. And that's why I like to hear you guys speak on this. But I feel like it's like never talk to the true natives of the city about what they truly, they might say, Hey, what do you guys want? But they don't necessarily custom or customize it or. No, actually, they don't really listen to the city or even try to make the city resemble the people that live in it. So that's why I think the biggest problem comes with it. We can bring all this profit in, but most of the time, I feel like it's bringing profit to help those people that just moved in nowhere to come in. Like, like they say, like, to make it into a, a bigger upscale city than what it used to be. And so all these people come in, and we forget about the people that were there, that built the city to start from, you know? So that's my issue with it. It's like, if you're going to gentrify, if you're going to, I don't know, if you want to improve the city to bring in new thriving or new profits or new people, you know, like make a diverse city, you can't leave, forget the people that were there to start it off with, you know. The people who were there when you used to thrive and they lost something. And now they're like trying to get that back and then you're pushing it, pushing it backwards. Like, we're, we're going to listen to you, but we want to bring this side of it. We want to bring these new people in. Who are gonna, who have more money or quote unquote have more money to help build the city. So my only issue is just the way they go about improving cities such as, especially urban cities such as Detroit or the Bronx. You know, even here in Richmond, there's, I can see it like, in the two years that I've been here, Richmond is, is an urban city. It used to, I mean, it used to look really bad. They used to have a high incarceration of black men here. It was just not going well. But there's a positive. VCU is clearing up this city of Richmond, like buying all these properties, cleaning up the city, you know. But then at the same time, you have a huge number of homeless people at East Tennessee, you know? So it's like, I don't know where the give and take is part of it, you know? So, I don't know what you think, John. I mean, I essentially argue with everything I just said, and I think that what has me curious about is then. Yes, it can be good and bad, but when it comes to the bad part of it, are we capable of contributing? Like, we ourselves have all moved into different places from where we grew up or even where we just went to school. And the neighborhoods that we were in may have been neighborhoods that were just recently gentrified. So do we ourselves become part of that problem where we're the ones that are displacing 
the people who live there or do we get passed because they're black and we black people can't gentrify or something like that? Like, what do you guys think? I feel like you just brought up something really uh, true, like the fact that hey, once you you grow up in these areas, you go off to college if you're fortunate enough, and I don't know a real stat on it, but I would say a high percentage of people never return to those areas. Maybe because they got a job opportunity, maybe because uh, they just didn't want to, or whatever it may be. I'm guilty of that. I left Detroit, and I have never, albeit for a short amount of time, called Detroit home again, or paid taxes um, to that city since I I left there um, when I went to college. And I think that is part of the problem. And I actually heard people here in St. Louis, um, some of the politicians saying, hey, what can we do to keep our talent here? Like, how can we entice you to come back and and grow here, build a family here, and, and pay taxes here? Like, how can we get you back? And I think there's many answers to that. Um, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. Like, what do you guys think about going back home? Is it like, should we feel bad about it? Do you feel bad about not going home if you didn't go back home? Like, how do you feel? I do feel a little bit bad about it, especially because when I first left, like when I, when I even when I left to Michigan State, my idea was like I'm coming back here when I'm done, and I'm going to find a way to get back. Damn it, I got a job somewhere else. I'm like, okay, well, you know, I can either go back home and be the bum, or I can go somewhere where I can actually make some money and give back. And I'm just wondering I'm gonna come back, but as the years keep going on, that, that percentage of me knowing I'm going to go back is getting lower and lower. We're went from 100 to um, it's 50 50 right now, whereas I'm never going to go back. And there's a part of me that feels bad about it. Yeah, I mean, for me, coming from Mount Michigan, it's a small town. There's really nothing for young adults. Like, why the soul has to leave that place? It's not a bad city, it's not a, but it's not like a city for a young adult. So I had no reason to be, to like, want to go back. But for me, I guess the really thing that I would feel bad, like, even if a majority of my life has been here in America, huge part of me is still back home in Uganda, no matter what I do. And so, do I see myself moving back to Uganda, Africa? No. But I do, which is why I'm like, wanted to get a PhD and further my education in the medical field, because I want to go back there and help. I don't have to stay there, but I want to go back and get back. So, that's where I'm like, driven. So, at the same time, also, I can't speak on Everyone else is if they feel bad or not. Some people might have left their city because they have negative memories that they don't want to experience it. You know, um, people people are always looking for something that's going to better their life. And once they find it and once they see it and they're not used to seeing it, then they're going to grasp onto it. You know, if you're coming from a city that where you are living paycheck to paycheck and you barely get to do anything fun, you don't get to see the fun part of your city or you're the fun part of your city non-existent and then you have the opportunity to increase your income increase your education go see the world and it's everything that you were not expecting and you loved it it's really hard to me i feel like it's really hard to go back to where you began especially if it's still the same or nothing has changed you know so so like i i guess in that aspect like cities that are always asking 
what can we do to keep you know, our young generation? What can we do? What? It's hard to answer that question because you can't always keep up with what the young people want. You know, it's just there's people who have a love for their city and it's just, they'll never leave and they'll never go anywhere. You know, and that's what they want. And I can't. I used to like always say, "How can you stay in the same city forever and never explore and never?" And like some people just want to be home and they don't want anything different. But at the same time, I feel like those people who are asking, "What can we change?" You ask, ask those, ask those people that left. They might not come back, but if you act, like they can say, "You know, the reason I left was." A, B, C, and D. So you should change it so A, B, C, and D is not the same for those kids that are growing up in a city like I was. You know? But yeah, it's hard and stuff. But I don't know. I, I, I was talking to you guys earlier about this, and and I might and I said I was probably using this word gentrification out of context, but I feel like it can flow into other aspects of life. So like in sports, I feel like can we gentrify sports? I'm like, yeah, we did it. We have done it. <laughs> I, I, because I do you guys... <laughs> I don't think it's the same in a way, but you got to notice from the era of sports of how much it was all white and how much now it's literally you're starting 11 on a football field are all black. You're starting five on a court on a basketball court are all black. And I don't know if it's like... That's not, I don't know if that's the right word to use, but I feel like in a way it's like all the attention on sport. If you're white and you're an athlete, you have to be like <laughs> the best of the best. Like I feel like you got. I feel like at this point, I feel like this point, if you're a white person and you're an athlete, like because I feel like I feel that coaches go to these like urban areas, and most of the time that's where all the good athletes are. Am I wrong? Because you know. You know what it reminds me of? It's what? just like that joke I think, I think it was Dave Chappelle had about like if you see a white guy hanging out with a crew of black people, you just automatically respect him. And that's how it goes for athletes too now. <laughs> you see a white guy on that court, you just gotta just know he's good for him to be out there. <laughs> like that boy can play. All right? That boy can play. You even right? gotta see that thing, you just respect him. Yeah. <laughs> so I was looking up the definition of gentrification. And it's the process of renovating and improving a house or district so that it conforms to middle-class taste. So if I'm thinking of that like as a sport, if you think of what we black people have done for basketball, football, I'm going to throw in their tennis because, hey, Serena forever, Venus forever. Um, <laughs> you throw in... Even baseball so with the Afro, Afro-Latinos. Like, exactly, don't, yeah. Don't baseball. Tiger for golf. I, I was worried about it. <laughs> <laughs> we going to do it. In it. Yeah, you know. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> but if you think about it, it definitely has improved the sports. They've become more watchable. They've become more exciting. They've obviously made a lot more money. Um, now, conforming to middle class taste, I don't know how you can compare that to like the sports world. But to a sports fan, you can't say that, hey... Football now is not more exciting than what it was back in the day, or basketball is not more. Well, I don't know. Hey, I would say you know, it, it basically pretty much it is exactly the same thing. Because you think about the NBA back when it first started compared to the NBA now. Yes, the name is the yeah. same, and yeah, the name gotten a lot better, but the people involved look a whole lot different than the people who started it. Yep, true. So it's the same thing. True. So 
Oh, hell yeah, we can uh, for five sports. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do it again. Hockey. Uh, we yeah. coming for you, hockey. <laughs> hey, hey. Don't at me. I don't know how to skate, though, so I'm not going to do it, but you just wait. We're not, right? but our kids are. Yeah. Oh, little, little, little boy Brian. Oh, he going to kill it. Right? He going to kill it. Skate like that uh, Cedric the Entertainer on uh, on Kings of Comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Black people skating. Uh, <laughs> we be skating with no stick. Just ready to fight. Right? <laughs> Just telling you, I stay woke out there, all right? Because we great. I mean, black people are so dope. It's just cool to be black. I mean, until they try to kill you for being black. But that's another story. That's another story. I'm not going to go there. Oh, yeah. Let's get out of here. Let's go ahead and wrap this up. <laughs> Who knows if she goes to do that? You know what I'm saying? Uh, all right, so. Once again, you know, as always, we appreciate everyone for coming out and listening to us. Always love the support and feedback. If you got anything you want to say to us, whether it be thoughts, feedback, whatever, go ahead and get at us at our email, who's man's podcast <laughs> at gmail.com. <laughs> you got it right this time. <laughs> I ain't playing with you this week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we, I'm getting it all right this week. I'm going to write a script next time. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, who's man's podcast at gmail.com. Uh, who's man podcast. That's our at name on Twitter and Instagram. You, know, um, you can find our personal ad names in the bios and all that. Make sure you get at us on every platform for updates, you know, funny tweets and stuff and all that. We got, we're going to bring it on so you stay engaged with us. We want to hear from you guys from all platforms. Uh, kind of right about the time where I can catch you at? Yeah, at me at thatfella underscore Connie, um, as well as uh, Big C22 on Instagram. But yeah, we're looking forward to you guys uh, reviewing our podcast and getting a lot of, uh, Ratings on iTunes right now, so keep them coming. So, you know, where can they find you? Hey, don't at me at your mama and tell her you love her, all right? Because she did a lot for you. And if your daddy was there, at him and tell him you love him, all right? And if well, one of them, I hope, was there, and if not, at the birthday boy, okay? I mean, he ain't gonna respond because we all know. But at him, and, and don't even at him because you're not worthy. But go on YouTube. Go on go on um your local music source, if you will. Type in his name and be blessed. Alright? You're welcome. You are. I feel like I know everyone should know which who you're talking about, but I feel like you still have to you haven't said his name once. If they don't, I don't wanna be their friend. I don't wanna know him. Okay. I think they should be banned. Okay. This uh, podcast. Okay. <laughs> you just keep me trying to make us lose followers. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, uh, I don't even know where to, where to go after that one. <laughs> you can catch me <laughs> on Twitter at Taylor Made Life. That's pretty much it. Where you gonna catch me at? <laughs> <laughs> Make sure y'all leave the reviews like Conrad mentioned. That's definitely how we end up going higher on those charts. We're going to see our names reach the top 50 one day. Then we'll go for the top 10. We need y'all to help us get there. So leave the reviews. Leave the stars. You know, leave us an honest word. We don't want you to say five stars. We don't mean it. Let us know what we can work on. Let us know how we can earn that fifth star or whatever it is. You know, also, make sure you leave the likes and retweets and all that on SoundCloud. We need every every little bit is going to help us. Appreciate it all, too. Yes, sir. Well, uh, all right. We out. This is Michael Jackson. <laughs> <laughs>